That mean you better keep it one and women. Yeah. Some'll love you, some'll use you. Nothing wrong with Welcome that as long as you know who to of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. New week of show starting today with Monday. We're going to get getting back into the swing of things. Uh, I know everyone might be a little bit upset about what happened to the Lightning last night. Uh, we'll try to perk you up with uh, some Tampa Bay Buccaneers conversation. And today's topic is, as you see on the graphic here, which new Bucks additions will have the biggest impact this season. There is a lot to choose from, both veteran free agent additions that Tampa Bay has added throughout the offseason, mostly in March, but even a couple of guys uh, recently as uh, as this month. And, of course, you have the new Bucks rookie uh, draft class. So we will talk about all of that. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is, also from PeterReport.com, Josh Capo, a.k.a. Josh Q. Josh, great to have you on the show. And how you doing, my man? Doing good, Matt. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, neither of us are in Tampa right now. I'm actually in New York. That's why I have a little bit of a different uh, background and scenery compared to what I usually have on the show. And you, of course, uh, are in Atlanta right now, enemy territory with the, the Falcons, of course. But nonetheless, uh, here to talk about some Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. Before we talk about the new additions and everything, you know, we've been talking about Gronk a lot because of, you know, the, the retirement and everything that went on with that. Um, since we haven't had you on the show since Gronk's retirement, why don't you just tell us where were you when uh, when Gronk retired and what was your initial thoughts and everything like that? And do you think Gronk could potentially come back? Because, you know, he only retired for a minute and then it already starts the conversation with, uh, you know, is he going to return middle of the season? Will he make a playoff run? So just give us your thoughts about Gronk and everything that went on. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I was at home when it happened. The last week or so has been such a blur. Um, I was I, I think I hadn't checked my phone in a few hours, and then all of a sudden I just happened to take a look at at our Pewter Report thread and saw about eighteen messages regarding. It. I was like, oh man, okay. Well, there's a lot of content coming. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. It, it was definitely surprising. You know, I was one of the many people who in the, the Bucks stratosphere or whatnot, who really thought that Gronk would be returning for 2022, uh, especially after Tom Brady came out of retirement. Um, as far as do I think he's, I subscribe wholly to the JC Allen conspiracy theory that Gronk announced his retirement, the exact number of days away from training camp that Tom Brady was retired. So I'm 100% bought into it and uh and i could just see first day of training camp he's like hey guys what's going on so i i definitely think there's a way back for for gronk yeah i see it more of a middle of the season type of situation like if something god forbid were to happen to camp rate and maybe the rookies aren't really panning out the way that the the bucks are hoping i mean kate otten has to get on the field first before yep. we can even like really assess how he's going to be um on the show, Mark's main channel agrees with me here. He says might still return. I think sometime midseason. I think it's got to be one of those things like break glass in case of emergency uh, type of situations. And also, just want to say thank you to everyone that uh, is in the chat here already. Uh, Long lost Glazer giving his opinion. He says if it's not Gage or Hicks, John Spitek has some explaining to do. <laughs> 
Uh, Joel also uh, giving a shout out to Kate Otten. So yeah, do appreciate everyone that's in the chat and watching, listening to the show. Make sure you like and subscribe. We're closing in on 8,600 subscribers, I believe, last time I checked. So please help us get to that. And also want to make sure everyone in the chats at 420 coming up in a little bit, we will be having roll call. Tell us where you're at, Peter people. We got great fans all over the place, of course, in Tampa, but across the United States. I know we got people in New York and California, uh, some international people. Uh, we've seen China. We've seen Finland, Brazil. We'll just start seeing Germany, considering we got a game coming up there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So please, everyone, uh, let us know where you're watching from, and uh, we will make sure we get you up on the screen with your location when we do our roll call. Again, that's going on at uh at 4 20 today we already got tom in here saying that he's from antarctica we will be getting to that like i said at 4 20 in uh 15 minutes from now so all right josh there are a number of uh veteran free agent additions that the that the bucks have brought in this this offseason and i think a lot of them are really going to make a big impact right away uh, for those watching and listening we had a peter report roundtable which we, we we put out each week usually on uh saturday so you have a nice little weekend read get some some bucks information and two weeks ago yeah you know, every week i think we come up with a pretty good topic and just points of interest that we think that the fans will really be excited about and so the one that we did two weeks ago is along the same lines of the, of the show of, you know, which Bucks newcomer is going to make the biggest impact. And I think everyone did great with their picks because you have the veterans, you have the rookie draft class. I think you're going to get a nice combo of, of, mm. of both that really um, are going to make a big contribution for the Bucks this year. Uh, we'll get to yours in a little bit, but I'll just start off with mine. I went with Russell Gage and I think Russell Gage, obviously the Bucks signed him from Atlanta um, his impact is going to be felt right away. And that's why he was the one that stood out to me. And when I saw other people's picks, why I agreed with a lot of them, I was like, oh, wow, like I can't believe no one else had already picked Russell Gage. You know, that was kind of like my number one guy I was thinking, but I was like, all right, if like two other guys or two other people picked Russell Gage in, in this group chat, like I'm going to mix it up and, and go with something else. But I think with the Chris Godwin history, injury history, and, you know, will he be back for the start of it? I, I know we talked about this a lot, and our boy Cyril Grayson Jr. was uh, kind enough to give us some information about that. He's running at 19 miles per hour, so maybe he will be back sooner. But I just have this weird feeling the more that we talk about it that I don't think we're going to see Chris Godwin for a little bit. I'm not saying, like, by the start of the regular season, but I just think the insurance policy of, uh, of Russell Gage, having him in there, um, being able to do a little bit of everything is going to be hugely significant for the Bucs this year. Yeah, and I think um, with the Gronk news, your pick becomes even more of a likelihood, right? Yeah. Because that's one more weapon that Tom Brady won't have at his disposal. So you look at the weapons he does have, and they're going to see an increase in target share. They're going to see an increase in, in impact. So um, I think that it was really prescient. The, the uh your pick there with with Russell Gage and I think given Gronk's retirement it makes it all the more likely so that's aging very well for you 
Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Gage played in 14 games last year. He had 66 receptions for 770 yards and four touchdowns. Now, let's remember, Gage is coming in and he's technically replacing Antonio Brown. And I think it'd be ridiculous to say that, you know, he's going to put up the production that Antonio Brown did. Let's face it, A.B., you know, he, if, if it wasn't for a lot of the off-the-field antics and everything like that, He's a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, but, you know, people factor in everything. So that's why, I don't know, like on the field, he's without a doubt a Hall of Famer. But even someone like, you know, T.O., it, it took a, a little bit more of a while, I think, for T.O. to get like the acceptance of that he's one of the greatest receivers of all time because, I don't know, some people didn't like that the way he acted. I, I don't necessarily agree. Like T.O., while, yeah, he made headlines, was – I don't know. It doesn't even come close compared to like when Antonio Brown did. Yeah, I was going to say the two of them are nowhere close to each other in terms of off the field stuff. T.O. was just a bit abrasive, whereas Antonio Brown has some, you know, very real character issues that have come in the form of legal issues for him. Um, So I I hope that those two are are, T.O. never should have been put off the ballot. He should have made it first time. Um, just because you know he, the media tends to think he was a bit prickly, um, and he clashed with some teammates, it shouldn't have kept him off the ballot. AB's issues, you know, uh, some of the Hall of Fames they have a character clause, and he may very well may warrant some additional look at that. Um, but you're right, the on-field production, he's a top five wide receiver, easy of all time. Yeah, w- without question. So I, I think it's important that we say that, you know, Russell Gage is replacing Antonio Brown, but don't expect, you know, the the crazy output that, you know, A.B. put up for most of his career and was doing it fairly well with the Bucs when he was healthy. Remember, yeah. he scored a very important touchdown um, in the Super Bowl. And then last year, you know, when he came back from injury, you know, he had that game where he had like 15 targets and then complained the next week that he wasn't getting the ball off and, you know, <laughs> spoke then just left the field completely. It's funny. I had family over yesterday and we were talking about it because obviously they were playing the jets and (laughs) we were just kind of like reminiscing about how wild that moment was. But I I do think gauge and like just going back and watching some of his highlights and stuff like that. Obviously first thing he's got to do is build that trust with Tom Brady, because we talked about in the, we're not, we like the, the bucks have like Leonard Fournette was very adamant about like, it could take up to a year to really build that trust with Tom Brady. But I think, you know, Gage, I'm not putting too much stock into the fact that he didn't practice during, uh, you know, OTAs or minicamp. Like OTAs is optional anyway. Like you don't have to. And I think like if the season started tomorrow, Gage would be good and and be ready to go and, you know, would be out there. But, you know, he was still at least in the face of Tom Brady and chatting with him and catching some passes from him while not, you know, running or, or anything like that. But I just think his his vertical ability, the way he can go up and get the ball, I, I think we haven't seen everything that Russell Gage has to offer. And maybe that's because of the offense he was in. And, you know, Atlanta was good for a while, but, like, struggled in, in the recent years. And because Gage had to move around so much with Julio there and then Julio not there and, and Ridley – only played in five games last season. So I think when he has more of like a select role, which again will change, of course, with Godwin not there, but I really think with, you know, 
what he can bring to the team. We haven't fully seen it yet in his time with Atlanta, but Brady's going to get the most out of him with it. And there's a reason why Tom Brady was like FaceTiming him and recruiting him. All right. Like he wanted this guy. So I think we're going to see the best version of Russell Gage that we've seen in his career. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, You look at the majority of his career in Atlanta, he was utilized with uh, with Dirk Cutter uh, for the most part in a traditional slot role, very short routes that, that asked him to get some yards after catch um, <clears throat> for those, just cause a lot of people love to equate, you know, the Wes Welker role, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Julian Edelman, that type of thing, you know, very, very short routes, lots of timing stuff, um, grab the ball and see if you can get a few extra yards and help move the chains. Last year um, it moved into uh, a more of a vertical role and you saw Gage really kind of have his best season yet. Um, and that was a lot of play action that got him deep on crossers and, and things like that. And you could see he excelled in the role. And I mean, he's got speed. He's got physicality. He can go up and get the ball, high point the ball, um, aggressive at the catch point. So he's got all the um, traits required to be successful in the Bucks' offense. And now this year you hope to see that the Bucks are going to really unlock all of it. Um, and I, I would I would think, especially, with, again, with Gronk's retirement, this is probably going to be Gage's best year yet, provided he's healthy. And he hasn't really shown any health issues in his career up to this point. So uh, I see big things for him. Um, did a grinding the tape on him a few weeks ago, and yeah. it was absolutely uh, a, a treat to watch. Yeah, make sure you check out uh, all of Josh's grinding the tapes. Uh, you had one on Joe Tryon Shoyinka last week. You put in so much work with that, and you really do a great job at it. So everyone, make sure um, you check that out. And Russell Gage, you know, he's got all of the, you know, like, it seems like he's got all the ingredients together to really have a lot of success on the Bucks roster. Um, another product that has great ingredients, of course, is Celsius energy drinks. Guys, if you're not drinking Celsius yet, what are you doing? They have so many different flavors from, you know, the tropical peach vibe to the sparkling watermelon. Orange is one of my favorites. Peach vibe, I think, might be number one. I would have to think about it. But, like, there's so many great different flavors. And it's the variety of Celsius that I think makes it uh, fantastic. There's also seven essential vitamins. There's no preservatives or artificial flavors or colors. Zero sugar. And it gives you that energy. It gives you that boost to get you through your day, whether you're starting the day or about to go crush a workout or doing a podcast, uh, you know, it's great tasting, but of course it gives you the energy, you know, to keep it moving, keep it going. Uh, So make sure you go to your local, you know, gas station, bodega, whatever it may be. Celsius is pretty much everywhere right now. And you can go on Amazon and order a shipment of Celsius there. You can decide to do it every two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want. You could save $5 by uh, ordering them on Amazon. So make sure you go to Celsius.com, see a store locator where you can get it. That's Celsius Energy Drinks and uh, Celsius hashtag live fit. A very, um, very good tagline there. Yeah. Want to get some. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say I had a sparkling grapefruit this morning. Really helped me get my day started. Um, and what I really enjoy doing with the Amazon is getting their kind of variety packs because it yeah. always brings at least one new flavor that I haven't had a chance to try yet. Um, and allows me to really round out all the different flavors and see what I like the best. Um, I think there was the strawberry lemonade is one of my, yes, I've been having that a lot my, more recently. 
That is Peach quickly, Vibe is normally my number one, but that one's been a close second for me recently. That has quickly moved up the ranks as one of yeah. my favorites. And that's another awesome thing about Celsius is like, seems like each week they have a new flavor. I know Scott's pretty high on the um, the cola flavor. Yep. And the fans have um, have really liked that. Josh, we are a couple of minutes away from roll call. Again, we will be doing that at 420. Peter People, tell us where you're at. I uh, did want to get to a couple of comments um, and a little bit of a disagreement between some of the fans here because with Godwin's injury and uncertainty of when he's going to be back, there's been talks about bringing in a, another veteran wide receiver. And of course, the one, I mean, we did a whole show about it. The main one is Julio Jones, again, another uh, former Atlanta player. And Tom here says, maybe we sign a veteran tight end and wide receiver, Julio Jones. But then Chris, right underneath them, said, um, no Julio, please. So, Josh, I'll ask you, where do you fall on the uh, the Julio Jones discussion? Do you want him here in Tampa? Do you think, all right, uh, given his injury history and the fact that he's getting up there in age, we'll take a pass on him. How do you feel about Julio Jones? I think given the performances of some of the wide receivers already in camp um, early in OTAs and how well they've stood out, I'd be comfortable without having to sign a veteran wide receiver like Julio. Um, I don't mind it if the, if the bucks did um, just because you're not bringing him in to like Tennessee did, right? Tennessee gave up um, some premium draft capital, had to pay him a ton of money to be basically number two to AJ Brown. The Bucks wouldn't have to do that, you know, with Russell Gage and Mike Evans already in place. If Chris Godwin's not ready to go uh, week one, Julio's your three. Uh, and I think I'd be fine with that on a, on a fairly cheap deal. Uh, so for me, it's kind of a take it or leave it. Um, and I would trust the Bucks uh, brain trust on if they brought in Julio that they saw that he would be able to, provide the value needed for the contract that they gave him. Otherwise, I think the Bucks have a ton of depth at wide receiver. Is much of it proven? No, but there's enough traits there that I think that they can, especially with Byron Leftwich being honestly one of the best offensive coordinators in all of football right now, I would trust that he'd be able to create the game plans needed to get enough offense out of this team until Chris Godwin got back. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a good point, especially as you see Jason Light there. You mentioned the brain trust, so I figured we'd give a shout-out to Jason Light, put the picture of him up on there. I think Julio still has a lot of talent, and yeah, it really just all came down to the injury history. Right. So I think it, him on a pitch count, and I think you made a great point, like the Julio that Tennessee was looking for is you know to have that dynamic duo that they wanted there with, with the two receivers. Jones doesn't have to do that if he was in this Bucks offense. I think, you know, he doesn't even have to play like, uh, I don't know. I was going to say like, as long as he plays, what, 50% of the snaps, he's not going to be in on, on every down, even if it's just like a second and third down situation that he only plays. I think he could really provide value to this team. Um, I am excited to see what um, some of the younger guys can do. I mean, we, we talked a lot about Jalen Darden. I think I know Scotty you're Miller. Yeah, I think Scotty Miller is, is really going to have um, a bounce back year. That was another uh, PR roundtable discussion of uh, who's going to have a bounce back season. We gave multiple different answers for that one. But to go back to the PR roundtable that we were just 
talking about earlier, and of course, the topic of today's show. Josh, you actually went with Rashad White uh, as your pick for yep. um, the player that's going to make the biggest impact for the Bucks. I, uh, I I want you just to explain why you went with him. Talk a little bit about Rashad White. But before that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, it's 420. So that means it's time for roll call. <laughs> Tell us where you're at, pewter people. Uh, start putting up in the chats. And as Josh is talking about Rashad White and why he picked him for his uh, PR roundtable, I will go through the chats and put your location up uh, on the screen. So, Josh, yes. take it away. So, yeah, I went with Rashad White, which was kind of a mea culpa for me. Um, and that being that I didn't have White very um, highly rated on my uh, pre-draft board. Uh, I, I think I had him at like a seventh round grade. And for me, it was I saw something in his tape that just really threw me off. And which is when he's out in the open field and he's about to get hit, he has this tendency to just jump up in the air. And <laughs> like at the NFL level, that's going to get him killed. Um, with that said, everything else on his tape looked amazing. And, um, and even Matt, I know you've done a lot of the, uh, the OTA reports. You said he's looked fantastic in OTAs. So for all of that, for me, it was a playtime thing. And I thought Rashad's definitely going to probably work himself into that running back two role behind Lenny. And that means he's going to get a couple of drives a game, probably going to usurp uh, Gio Bernard by the end of the year as the third down back. And I think he's going to get some opportunities to hit some home runs. Um, on top of that, we know that running back um, attrition is a high thing, right? Most running backs can't go year over year playing 17 games, and most likely you're going to see Lenny out for at least a few, and that's going to give White his opportunity to really kind of shine in that number one role. So for all of that, I went with with White. What was really cool about this Pewter Report roundtable is it if you would have done this last year, you basically would have had the entire staff say Joe try on Shoyanka, right? Yeah. Bucks didn't really bring in any veteran free agents because they brought back everybody that they had from the 2020 season. And then you look at their draft and it was JTS. Okay. There's a path to playing time for him. Kyle Trask, everybody hopes he doesn't see the field. Uh, and then everybody beyond that was, was definitely depth. So this year it's such a unique thing. And, and we were all able to give different, uh, players because the Bucks have brought in so many different players between the rookies in the draft and the veteran uh, free agents. So it offered us all an opportunity to make a case for different players. And that's what I really enjoyed about that particular roundtable. And part of the reason why I went with White is it's never fun if you do a roundtable and everybody agrees. That's not a very round table. It sounds like a straight line to me. Um, so it gave us all kind of an opportunity to highlight one player who could, wow, Nigeria. That's awesome, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it gave us all an opportunity to highlight somebody who's new to the roster, who has the potential to um, provide a lot of impact to the team. Yeah, well said. I, I think it's, I agree with you. It made it so much fun this time around because I think there's an awesome balance of the veteran players that will make contributions and the rookie class where they'll actually be able to have an opportunity and, and be successful for this team. As you mentioned last year, it was kind of like Joe trying to and that's about it. Cause the, I mean, the Bucks did a great job of just re-signing all the players that have been on the, on the team before, but this year you really get that influx of, of, you know, new people, new skill sets and everything mm -hmm. like that, that I think will make the Bucks even better than, They've been, and obviously they were a great team over um, 
over the last two years. To get back to Rashad White, it's funny because I enjoyed him when you know we were going through the whole the, the whole draft process. Mm-hmm. I liked his game and everything like that. But I think it's important with Rashad White. It was something about seeing him live and in person where I really was excited about what he can do on this team. I know Scott and I have talked a lot about yep. Rashad White, even though people don't love that he's number 29. Outside of that, he's just got all of the <laughs> makings of like a guy that could be a superstar running back one day. And obviously it's because he's successful as a pass catcher. But when he runs, he just... It's like he's gliding. It's very smooth. And it's one of those things that you might not even maybe necessarily notice, like watching tape and stuff like that. But then you just see him in person do it. And you like, there's just something where you're like, I can't totally put my finger on it, but it's just he moves very, very well. So I I, I agree with you. I, I think he's going to have a role on this team. Like we know Lenny's going to be the bell cow, but you know, we talked about this before where, you know, if Lenny's going to play all three downs, that's fine if you want to do it in like December and the playoffs. But I think if you have Leonard Fournette from week one all the way to week 17 playing first, second and third down and Rashad White only comes in sparingly and Gio Bernard does his thing as like the third down running back or the, we'll see how they utilize him again this year. I just think if you play Lenny that much that early in the season, it's not going to be good for him. Like just the wear and tear on his body for, you know, 17 games. You can do that in December and January. And you know what? The Bucs did when they won the Super Bowl. But part of that was by necessity because Ronald Jones was was in and out of the lineup. But Lenny loves being the guy that can play all the time. But save it for December and and January when you're you're making that playoff run and hopefully in Arizona going um, going to the Super Bowl. But I think White... Man, we talked about earning the trust of of Tom Brady. I think White's going to actually earn it maybe quicker than some other new guys on this team because we've always talked about when Brady was in New England, oh, he loves just dumping it off to the running back. He needs a receiving type of running back. I mean, Leonard Fournette was third in receptions last year with among running backs. He had 69 receptions last year, and – Oh, I, I would say a majority of that really occurred after Chris Godwin got injured. He's like, all right, I need another target out there. Lenny's my guy. And of course, you know, they've talked about that. They have chemistry together and they kind of almost wing it sometimes playing a little yeah. street ball. And <laughs> sure. Like Lenny can kind of get away with that because he's a veteran player who mm-hmm. has, you know had success in this league. But I think Brady's still going to be looking for that other, you know, insurance policy of, Okay, Rashad White, he's a playmaker. Just need to get the ball in his hands, and he'll go and do the rest. So I really see um, a situation for Rashad White in that type of role where he's going to make some plays for the Bucs, and you know the confidence will come with it. And if he makes a couple plays early on, then you know he could. I'm not saying like a Pro Bowl year or anything like that, but I think he's going to at least push the envelope for Leonard Fournette to continue to be Lombardi Lenny. Yeah. I, the the cool thing is I think we're all projecting a trajectory for him that will start on the small end, but continue to grow throughout the year. And that's a really cool thing to see from a young player, especially a rookie coming in that just based on what we've seen so far, which fair enough, it's not much, but everyone can kind of see what's potentially there with Rashad White. 
and you can reasonably expect that it's going to be growing playing time throughout the year, which is going to give him more opportunities to really contribute. And with his home run potential, you could see some really cool highlight plays from him. And that's what a lot of people remember, you know, is the highlight plays. Yeah, no, 100%. Splash plays, as uh, as Scott likes to call them. Yep. Uh, comment here from Long Lost Glazer. He says, not getting hyped up for a third-round running back. Fool me once with Chris Sims. I think he means Charles Sims, maybe. Uh, fool me twice with Rojo. Fool me for a third time with Keyshawn Vaughn. Not this time. Sorry, Rashad. Interesting uh, comment there. Yeah, I, I, Joel said you mean Charles Sims. I think he means Charles Sims. Yeah. Uh, I understand, though. I've I've made the mistake of, you know, Logan Hall, Logan Ryan, mixing them up, talking about I've them. Done that we'll one. actually talk about both of those Logans um, in a little bit. But, you know, Scott's been pretty um, not adamant. That's not the right word, but. Scott has talked about that, you know, Jason Light, for all the great things that he's done, one of the things that he's kind of missed the boat on a little bit is drafting running backs. And, uh, of course, like Long Lost Glazer with that list does make a point where he hasn't really found the right type of uh, running back yet for Tampa Bay. But who knows? Maybe uh, fourth time is is the charm for, for I will Light. say we still only have the third time. So Long Lost Glazer, if you are giving us – giving us – giving the Bucks three chances on this. Ronald Jones was a second round running back. So you still have one more opportunity to hit on the third round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I want to stick with the offensive side of the ball. Um, as we look at Jason light again, I know Todd Bowles is a, is a defensive guy. We will talk about the defense. I promise. Um, one last offensive player that I want to talk about as far as uh, a veteran guy. Then we'll talk a little bit about some of the free agent signings on defense and then talk about, the rookies got to wait your turn rookies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Shaq Mason, I think because of some of the other signings and the fact that the Shaq Mason thing, it felt like it just happened so quickly. And then, you know, other people are retiring and other signings went on. Shaq Mason is definitely in the conversation for being the most impactful uh, addition this year. But I think his, will go down as probably the most um, under-the-radar yeah. important move. And it, maybe it's just because the offensive line position um, in general. I mean, the fact that the Bucs lost both of their offensive guards, uh, Alex Kapp obviously signed with the Bengals and, and uh, Ali Marpet retired, to bring in Shaq Mason at really good value, just trading away w- one draft pick, making sure that you have uh, uh, an offensive lineman that you can trust that has been some of the the best of the best. Uh, I think it's going to be so important for what he brings to this team. And, you know, obviously everyone talks about that. He's not that tall and everything of that nature, but I think he's going to work very well with Ryan Jensen um, at center and whoever wins the job at, at, at left bar. It's going to be the best man wins. You know, I, I don't think the Bucs are going to be like, okay, well, we have no options, so uh, you're the the best of the worst. I, I, like, I'm not concerned about the offensive line at all this year. I'm um, not sure what your thoughts, Josh, are about the offensive line and, of course, Shaq Mason uh, coming in. Yeah, as far as Shaq goes, I, I couldn't agree more in terms of he, he has a good chance to be the most impactful but the most unheralded, right, and, and yeah. in terms of – 
it's going to be something that most people don't necessarily notice how impactful he is. I think there's two reasons for that. You highlighted one really well. It's the offensive line. It's hard to necessarily see that stand out on a play-to-play basis and just how impactful Shaq Mason may be working within a unit. And then the second thing is the Bucks offensive line has been so good over the last few years. I think it kind of becomes white noise in terms of somebody else coming in and performing well in that particular role. Again, because it's, it's so much, they work as a unit. So it's kind of seeing Shaq Mason stand out is difficult for um, anyone who's watching the Bucks, And that for that reason, I think it's going to be hard for at the end of the season for somebody to go, oh yeah, he definitely was the most impactful. Um, I think if you, at the end of the season, you're saying, yeah, the Bucks offensive line continued to perform as a top five unit uh, in all of the NFL, in the aggregate, you go, oh, that means Shaq Mason really had a huge impact. Um, but I don't know if it'll be something where people specifically can highlight him and say, absolutely. With that said, you're going to see some really cool blocks from him. Like, especially on run plays, you're going to see him run some people over and that may give him some of the, uh, some of the, the highlights that you're looking for, for that particular role. Um, I'm really excited to have Mason on the line. I think it's an upgrade over Alex Kappa. I think it Mm -hmm. solidifies between Tristan Wirfs and and Ryan Jensen. That's, you know, 60% of the line where you just don't worry. Uh, and then, you know, Donovan Smith, I know he's gotten a lot of, he's a very polarizing player in, in Bucks fandom, but there's something to be said for somebody who has improved every single year um, that he's been in the league. And if you want to extrapolate that out, that means he's probably a top 10 left tackle this year. Uh, that Again, that's takes some projecting, but even if somebody who's just top half, right, if you're 15th or better at left tackle, uh, with the rest of the pieces on this line, that's a line that's going to get the job done, and it proved to do it two years ago. So excited for the the overall the offensive line play this year, and uh, anybody who's going to win that, you know, whoever wins that left guard spot, I think it's not with the other four pieces in place, you're going to have a perfectly good line. I agree with everything you said about Donovan Smith. I think he's the the contract that they signed him to a couple years ago. He's been worth every single penny, as you said. He gets better each year. Um, he plays injured all the time. He's an Iron Man on this team, and he has some real great, like highlight style of, of blocks. Where especially if you get him like out in the open, pulling or anything like that, the entire box offensive line does that. They just yep. have great videos of Donovan Smith smashing into people, Ryan Jensen helping out someone in a pass block, and he just runs over and like annihilates <laughs> the uh, the pass. Find and work. Find and yeah. work. Exactly, uh, in front of him. So, shout out to the Bucks uh, offensive line. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think Smith is in there as a, as a top ten offensive tackle in this league. Bucks, of course, in the top ten in terms of offensive lines, and they already talked about that they need to be better as as a run blocking team. So, as good as this team is, or this offensive line is, they know it themselves that they can, you know, still be better. And uh, you know, Shaq Mason. Might be an under the radar top type of guy, but he's going to, you know, be a fit. And you know, we're talking about underrated type of things. Uh, one thing that's really underrated and definitely cannot be overlooked is uh, Best Ball Mania three with Underdog Fantasy and winning ten million dollars in prizes with Best Ball Mania three. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play fantasy football. 
um, this summer. And the earlier that you draft your team for Best Ball Mania 3, the better. Last year's winner won $2 million. They drafted their team in June. I know the month is uh, getting close to ending, but make sure you do it sooner rather than later. Uh, their tournament has $10 million in total prize money. Best part is you just draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, no in-season management. And Underdog Fantasy gives you your best score each week of the season. The highest scores at the end of the year win. Don't have to worry about the bye week or anything like that. Uh, the champion of Best Ball Mania last year, like I said, drafted their team in June. So there's no time like the present to join Underdog Fantasy and take your shot at a million-dollar draft. Again, if you wait until training camp, all the secrets are out about the the the, the up-and-coming players, the, the guys that are fitting really well. Their value drops after all that work comes out. So draft your team right now. Also, Underdog Fantasy is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code Pewter. That's four free entries into Best Ball Mania 3. So what are you waiting for? Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up for Underdog Fantasy with the promo code Pewter, and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Pewter. And, of course, I got other prop bets that you can go and do and have other leagues that are 2 3 $5, $6, whatever you want. You can play with friends and family if you don't want to uh, do the public group. But, again, $10 million, that's a, that's a lot of cash right there. And unless you're a pro athlete, I think uh, you might need $10 million. I don't know about you, Josh. You need $10 million? I will take one. But yeah, so would I. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know we, we did some pewter report leagues last year, and uh, I was in a couple of them. I really enjoyed them. I, I look forward to hopefully doing that again this fall with Underdog Fantasy and uh, defending my title in one of them. Yeah, we will be doing uh, some more leagues, so stay on the lookout uh, for that. And yeah, that's awesome that you won. I, I did not realize that, but look at that. You joined the yeah. Underdog Fantasy League. Now you're a part of Pewter Report, literally. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Step that's awesome one. how it goes. <laughs> Let's stick with some of the veterans here. Uh, we just talked about the offense. There were two very key defensive free agent signings this year, uh, both in the secondary. There was Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal. Now, Keanu Neal, the question was at first, is he going to play a hybrid linebacker safety type of thing, the money backer? Uh, we got the clarification from Todd Bowles and some of the – other coaches on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball of the coaching staff where Neil is he's straight up going to be a safety and we talked a lot earlier about insurance policies Neil and Ryan are both the biggest insurance policies um, they are in here they got the veteran presence um, they will help this team they might not necessarily be a starter but yeah. they are going to make a significant impact yeah. on this team um, Neil, a little bit of an injury history, but when healthy, he's still very young. Um, it, which is crazy. It seems like he's been around the league for like quite a while now. Yep. But I think if he could stay healthy, he's going to provide, uh, you know, some good little extra oomph to this team. And Logan Ryan, I think eventually may just take the nickel corner job from Sean Murphy bunting, um, He's already been lining up in multiple different places at minicamp, doing some blitzes. Um, I think he might have a little bit more of an impact than Neil. It remains to be seen. I mean, it's so early. Training camp hasn't even started yet. But I'm very excited for these two players. I think Ryan, especially just hearing him talk about how Rondé Barber was one of his favorite 
defensive backs of all time, just talking about longevity and staying in this league for a while and what he does differently to make sure that he's ready each and every season. I think he's going to be an awesome presence for what overall is still a pretty young secondary. I know the guys are growing up a little bit and some of them are on their, their last contracts, but I think it's important. Yeah. They had Richard Sherman last year, but Sherman didn't come in until the season already began. And then he was hurt. So he wasn't, I know he was, they were calling him coach Sherm, but I think having a veteran presence that you're actually going to work together a lot with is going to be really important for the secondary. Yep. So Josh, just uh, give me your thoughts on Ryan and Neil. You could figure start in any way that you would like, but uh, I yeah. really like what they're going to bring. Yeah. Both of them versatility. I think with Neil, uh, the interesting thing is, you know, Todd Bowles did say he's going to be a safety, but when you look at where he plays best as a strong safety, very similar to Jordan Whitehead, um, who the Bucks just lost this past off season. Uh, he's a box safety. Um, and so you're going to see him kind of lined up closer to the line of scrimmage in nickel sets where he's kind of a linebacker, right? Just a really athletic one. Um, and from watching his tape, I'm really excited to see him in terms of how he can impact the, the running game and keep the Bucks run defense as one of the more elite units in the NFL. Um, and also he shows up really well playing slot against tight ends and he's pretty good at manning them up. Um, so you can see him against someone like Ian Thomas with Carolina, Adam Troutman or Taysom, Taysom Hill with New Orleans. And I can see him excelling in that role um, playing against those types of tight ends. Kyle Pitts is a different animal. Um, yeah. I hope that I don't see Neil against Kyle Pitts because that is going to be an, most likely an elf for the Bucs. Um, but other than that, I think that he has an opportunity. I would love to see him kind of as an early deep, early down DB, right? So you mm -hmm. have him in on first and second down where the offense still has a, an opportunity to run or good chance of running the ball. And I think that he would operate really well kind of in that role. Um, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of um, Logan Ryan, you know, slot corner. Um, I think he gives some opportunities for Bowles to get a little exotic in his looks where maybe he starts down in the slot, rotates up into a safety role um, every so often and allows Winfield to come into the box and play more of like a, a joker role and, and do some really fun things, which I think um, Winfield's sk skill set allows him to do. He's obviously a very elite, uh, and I apologize for that background noise there. Um, he's a, he's an elite free safety, but I think he can do a lot more. And I think that uh, Logan Ryan's presence would allow for that to happen. Um, so both of those, I think, are really going to be really fun additions. And you, you see them added to Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, SMB. And now you're looking at a very deep secondary where lots of guys can kind of play multiple roles. And that allows Bulls to disguise his schemes, which should allow for a lot more fun. Oh, yeah. And Todd Bowles' defenses are always fun. I mean, who doesn't like seeing Vita Vea drop in coverage, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that? And I, I think the versatility is so important. Go ahead. Sounds oh, like I was just going to say, say uh, because you had said about the uh, Vita Vea dropping into coverage, I was like, yeah, he'll drop into coverage and Ryan will come off the edge in, as yeah. a blitzer. And legitimately, Ryan is a fantastic blitzer from the slot. So I think that it it really does kind of um, play into what Bowles loves to do. And you could see that. And for those you know fans of the Bucks going dating back to the late 90s, early 2000s, and you remember Rondé Barber blitzing off this, um, out of the slot 
and being so effective at it and having, I want to say for a defensive back, the most sacks in NFL history, Logan Ryan coming off the edge. It's very similar to Barber. I'm not going to say to his level, but at a very high level, he's a great pass rusher from that position. Yeah, Barber is one of two players in the NFL that's in the 40-20 club of uh, 40 interceptions and and 20 sacks. Yep. Uh, so, so obviously it speaks to his versatility. And uh, that that's the number one thing that Todd Bowles looks for as, well, now a second-time head coach, but just running a defense. He's all about throwing the kitchen sink and obviously safety. While he hasn't technically said it out loud, like everyone knows that Todd Bowles loves safeties like more than any other <laughs> position in the NFL. So the more he can get is just, uh, you know, it's better for, for him. He's got carte blanche now. He's going to, he's just going to have so many different things drawn up that uh, I, the quarterbacks aren't going to know what's coming. I think mean, sure. Like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes will adjust. And that's why they're some of the, the greatest quarterbacks out there in the league right now. But just the creativity that Bowles brings to any defense when you mix it with the talent and the experience of these veteran players and the fact that even someone as young like Antoine Winfield Jr. is going into his third season so he knows what a Todd Bowles defense looks like, I think the defense overall, we're talking about bounce back years. The whole defense, I think, is going to take a huge step in the right direction after a bit of a subpar season last year. Yeah, he's got four guys who positionally are designated as safeties who you would feel comfortable as starters. I mean, yeah. Who else has that kind of depth in that room across the NFL? And one of them is, is elite. That That's building a roster that can survive a seven, 18-week, 17-game schedule and survive a, a playoffs on top of that. You mentioned building a roster uh, earlier this month. The Bucks added uh, another piece to this puzzle, uh, another another nail in, and uh, seems like you're really excited about this. Of course, uh, Akeem Hicks, defensive tackle, formerly uh, of the Bears, played a little bit uh, with the Patriots. Um, he is in the rotation at defensive tackle. Uh, that meant that pretty much closed the door on Adam Kinsu and uh, Sue All but said so himself uh, on. Yeah on ESPN. So Hicks is in going to be in that rotation with the aforementioned Vita Vea. And of course, uh, rookie Logan Hall. I almost did it again with Logan Ryan and Logan Hall, but Josh, give us your thoughts on Akeem Hicks. You obviously were just uh, rubbing your hands together. Sounds like you're excited to, um, to give this take, whatever it may be positive or negative. He's a wrecking ball. I mean, he just, Exactly. He just <laughs> disrupts things. I mean, he can penetrate a gap. He can manhandle people. He's strong as all get out, even for, you know, NFL defensive linemen. Um, he just, he F's shit up. I mean, it's really <laughs> what, it's what he does. Uh, whether it's run, you know, run defense or, um, or, or getting after the passer. I mean, he's just a man among boys. And uh, I think uh, there was a clip of him mic'd up last year where he's just growling at people. And then you see like his first press conference with the Bucks, and you can see he's extremely cerebral and you see in the way he plays. Uh, he, mm. he has the physicality that he can just run guys over, but he doesn't just rely on that. He'll set up offensive linemen because he plays he plays uh, two-dimensionally. He doesn't just go vertically upfield. He'll set guys up laterally 
and then get them out of position and create an angle where he can get to the ball carrier, get to the quarterback. It's, it's just really fun to watch him work because you talk about some guys that just rely on their physical traits. And then there are other guys who really hone their craft. And you can see that Hicks hones his craft. He thinks about, he thinks four or five, six snaps ahead and, and he wants to consistently set up linemen and get them thinking about one thing. And then he's going to flash something else. Um, so you add pass rush moves to an amazing bull rush the ability to move laterally as well as vertically. It's just, a, it really, I, I encourage everybody this year when he's on the field, try and really focus in on him because the nuance to his game combined with just, he's a mean person on the field. It, it's going to be one of the most fun players to watch. It, it definitely is for me. I hope you guys can kind of see that with how I'm talking about him. <laughs> So he he was such a fun watch. Yeah, I, I remember. I mean, he's only been on the team for a month, but one of the practices when he first joined the team and granted offensive linemen and defensive linemen aren't really doing too much in these yeah. practices right now because, you know, the shoulder pads aren't on. There's there's not too much physicality, but just watching the defensive line work, you know, they're, they're going around these pads and they're working on some moves. So guys are like slapping the uh, I was going to say slap the bag. That's a. Uh, a drinking game, but uh, um, they were hitting. I mean, thinking slap the bass from uh, I love yeah, slap at the bass, yeah, <laughs> great movie. I haven't watched that in a while, I'll have to watch it again soon. Um, but there was just watching Hicks hit the pad versus like some of the other defensive linemen. You hear just like the Pops. whack, you know, when he when he hits the thing, JC was like losing his mind. He's like, I love this guy, like he was he almost like toppled over. He was like so excited about what um. Akeem Hicks can do and it's funny because you talk about how some guys rely too much on just you know their their strength or, or brute power that's something that concerns me with uh you know younger defensive linemen that are are coming into the NFL where yeah a lot of times in college football you get like Alabama against you know Chattanooga and uh Bam, the Bama guy is just going to annihilate yep. the 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 lower competition it's it's not their fault it's just you know that's how it goes sometimes in college football when you have a great opponent against an inferior opponent but it's like where can these alabama lsu just sec players or big 10 like ohio state like where can you really put it together like show me that you have some more pass rushing moves okay because you're not going to get away with that in the nfl just relying on your strength all right everyone is here in the nfl for a reason because you're the best of the best. So obviously this doesn't totally translate to Hicks because he's a veteran and he's obviously proved himself to, to be a really good player. But you mentioned that he like sets things up. That's actually what I think. And this is a different position, but I think it still correlates like Shaq Barrett, I think is one of the best, of course, outside linebacker for the bucks. I think he's one of the best at playing that chess game of like, all right, yeah. I might just bull rush you a couple of times, but when I hit that swim move or rip move, uh, you're not going to see it coming. And that's when he's going to, to make his money and, and get to the quarterback. And that's why you see him have double digit sack years. And once he finally got that opportunity to start. So Hicks, I'm really excited um, to see what he can do uh, as a pass rusher. And I mean, you, I'm just getting excited watching you talk about it, yeah. like just how pumped you were and how fired up you were. So I, I think yeah. Hicks, so go ahead. I was just going to say, it's an interesting dichotomy. And I know we're kind of getting off, off the, the beaten path here. 
um, going into some players who have already been with the Bucks for more than the season. But you look at Hicks and Barrett, and you see that that um, cerebralness to their game, mm-hmm. right? And then you hope to see that from the younger guys, and that'll kind of bring us to the uh, player on the defense who has a good shot at being a big contributor this year. Uh, who's new with with Logan Hall, but also somebody entering their second year in Joe Tryon Shuanka. You need to see them start to uh, with with JTS start to and with um, Logan Hall. You want to see him, uh, you know, just immediately kind of hit the ground running, creating kind of a uh, think of it like a balance beam between what do I do well and how can I use that as a base skill set, but how do I build off of it? Because if I don't build off of it, I'm always going to be just this person who has this one thing. With JTS, it's a swim move. Right, that yeah. he he relies on his speed and he's got to swim as his counter to get inside, and that's about all that he's really shown so far this uh, through his first year in the in the league. And he's going to have to add some physicality. He's going to have to add some um, some dips, some rips, some things like that, and really play with a little bit more power if he's going to ascend. You see Barrett does it so well. You see Hicks does it so well. You want to start seeing that from other members of the line, and you hope that. Um, Larry Foot, I think, is moved into no. Larry Foot moved into the inside linebacker coach yep. role, and uh, new outside Bob, linebacker Bob coach, Sanders. Bob Sanders. You hope that he'll be able to work with those two young guys and start to get that out of them. Um, and then you hope that guys like Hicks and um, Shaq Barrett can impress upon that with these younger guys. You got to start building. You got to think two or three more moves ahead. If you only run a swim, they're going to expect the swim. They're going to mm-hmm. be prepared for the swim. Um, so you hope to see that development from those younger players to really get as much out of the talent that's on this pass rush unit um, as, as possible. Question here from Joel. He says, or she says, uh, will Hicks play end while Vea plays defensive tackle? I don't think we're going to see that again. Todd Bowles, there could be a crazy thing when, you know, he would line up like Levante David on, on the edge. Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes so I wouldn't rule anything out but like on your typical first second and third down no Hicks isn't going to uh, be lining up on the edge remember it's important that we we point out and Scott has talked about this that Logan Hall is more of the replacement for and Domkin Sue Hicks is more of he's not a replacement for Steve McClendon he's brings a little more to the table uh, than Steve McClendon but you know, Hicks is a different entity in his own, and I think it's going to be so much fun to see how they how they line them line them up. Whether it's going to be Vea and Hicks next to each other, or Vea and Hall, and what that type of rotation is going to be. But nonetheless, I think what's very important is that Vita already does it. Hicks will do this too, where you have to decide who you're going to double team and it makes it that much tougher where JTS is going to get those one-on-one opportunities. Shaq Barrett, who used to get doubled a lot, you're not going to be able to double him as much anymore because you got to deal with Vita Vea and Nakeem Hicks up front. So um, I think that alone is there's a lot of value in just who you have the game plan for on the Bucks defensive line. Yeah, Joel, um, I would say on pass rush downs, the most common combination when Via and Hicks are out there, you're going to say, say Vita Vea is probably going to play in the one. Um, so that'll be lined up in between the center and one of the guards. And then you'll see Hicks as a you know, three technique or a four eye lined up somewhere between a guard and a tackle. Um, now that's not to say uh, as Matt 
really um, pointed out well that Bowles likes to get really um, exotic with things. Uh, yeah. I was watching last year, Nandamaka Sue was lined up as an edge rusher with four down linemen, right? So he was lined up outside of an of a tackle, of an offensive tackle on quite a few sets. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Hicks lined up like that or Logan Hall lined up like that. But when Vea and Hicks are on the um, on the field together, that's how I would expect it to be most of the time. Um, and then when Vea is being spelled, I could see Hicks playing a, you know, a one gap uh, where H Logan Hall comes in to play kind of that three technique. That would be my expectation for the majority of snaps. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the rookies next, the uh, 2022 draft class for the Bucks. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track. So you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Josh, we have to get to Colorado. Especially Maybe wait until team. after the uh, the parade for for the Avalanche, but um, nonetheless, have to get out to Colorado. I've never been, and I I really want to go. Have you been to the Colorado before? I have not, but given the heat that we're experiencing here, I would not be opposed to getting out to Colorado at the height of summer. <laughs> yeah, of course. And there's a lot of great things to do uh, out there. One of them is to work with uh, Immunity Financial. When you're managing your family's wealth, go to Immunity Financial because it's simply more than allocating your assets. Pewter Report and especially Scott Reynolds trust Immunity Financial uh, with our investments and retirement funds, and you should trust them too. Call 1-800-868-6864. Talk to David or Mark. They're awesome people over there because they'll tell you about all the different kinds of services that they have. There's legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and much more. Once again, that's 1-800-868-6864. And get started with Muni Financial today. Shout out to them for sponsoring Peter Report podcast. All right, Josh, we talked a little bit already about Rashad White, so um, I don't think we have to go too much into detail with him. But the rest of the Bucks draft class, let's see uh, if I got everyone correct here. In no particular order, uh, Logan Hall, Luke Gedeke, Rashad White, Kate Otten, Jake Camarda, Zion McCollum, and um, Andre Anthony. Uh, is there anyone – let's start with Logan Hall, and then we can kind of – talk about some of the other guys if there's anyone that really excites us but logan hall i think what the most fascinating thing is what everyone around logan hall has been saying about him i mean we had will golston on a little bit over a month ago and his eyes lit up talking about logan hall he said he's yeah. going to be you know he's going to be the the surprise player of this year he said he's a dog uh um, jj watt yeah, J.J. Watt in his prime, not the current J.J. Watt, who's still pretty good when healthy, but like J.J. Watt, more athletic than J.J. Watt in his prime. Um, a lot of his teammates have really been singing his praises. The coaching staff loves Logan Hall. Warren Sapp loves Logan Hall. Everybody loves Logan Hall. 
Um, do you love him too? <laughs> That's the big question, though. I do. I do. I, I think um, I think he has the potential to be a, a home run for where he was drafted over the course of his rookie contract. With that said, uh, I think it's been proven that playing an interior defensive lineman position your rookie year, you tend not to stand out on the stat sheet. Um, and so I think at the end of the year, there is an opportunity for fans to maybe get expectations out of line and, and how he performs against it. Um, but that's not to say that the talent level isn't there. And when you layer that into that defensive line grouping with Golston, with Vea, with Hicks, I think that they have the opportunity as a rotational unit to really um, destroy some interior offensive linemen. And I think he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, I'm excited about because we knew that the Bucs going in, they wanted to add a uh, defensive tackle that has a good first step that's quick and has a little bit of, uh, you know, more pass rushing moves than maybe what they didn't get from Indomitian Sue, even though Indomitian Sue had a, a couple of sacks. And obviously, all not all sacks are, are the same. There's coverage ones. And I'm going off into detail here. But um, <laughs> I, I think Hall as a pass rusher, I think is going to make his biggest impact uh, moving forward for the Bucks, at least, uh, at least in his first year. And I think it's really important that you have almost a prototype of Logan Hall with Will Golston, or I guess there might be the other way around, but like you have another similar player with Will Golston. We're going to see Vita Vea take more of a leadership role, helping out with Logan Hall. I think there's a lot of veterans here, obviously with Hicks, the, the newest arrival, I think, there's a great veteran presence for him where he's just going to to absolutely shine with the Tampa Bay Bucks, whether he's a day one starter or if they just put him in on another pitch count and kind of move along as the season goes from, from month to month. Uh, I also just remembered I did not mention uh, Coe Keith, so I apologize to Coe Keith about that, of course. Uh, he's one of the tight ends that the Buccaneers uh, drafted in, in 2022. Who's the other rookie um that excites you the most when it comes to this box draft class i mean i think getticky being the glass eater is super fun uh, i yes. think he's gonna crush some skulls especially if he's next to ryan jensen and and donovan smith and stuff like that but obviously he's in competition with uh with aaron stinney for that job along with a couple other offensive yeah. linemen kate otten my, out of all the rookies I mean, Kate Otten, now with Gronk retiring, I mean, he's only looking at Cam Bright uh, in front of him. Uh, I mean, sure, there's competition with Cody McElroy, uh, but he he has to get on the field. And I'm not knocking yep. him for being injured. Like, the, again, the Bucks knew about this before they drafted him. Yep. So, like, this isn't, oh, he's injury prone or whatever. But, I, I, like, I'm most curious just because we haven't seen him yet, you know, yep. outside of, like, his, his tape when he played for Washington. So, he has a really good opportunity in terms of just like moving up the depth chart. There's not a ton of depth to begin with. Right. Yeah. I think uh, uh, the, the one thing to remember is you draft a player teams draft a player for four years. Right. And, and there's a long-term plan as well as a short-term plan. I think Otten by the end of the season is probably going to be on the field a good amount. Um, just given the fact that he hasn't been able to participate in OTAs, I think a lot of it comes down to, is he going to be ready to get on the field for, for training camp as to how much you're going to see him the first half of the season, especially because tight ends, another position, a lot like interior defensive line, it 
seems to take a couple years for players to really be able to perform at a high level in the NFL. Um, so the one that I'm most excited about is the guy who has already um, thrown the, feel- his, vet, his veteran competition off the I had a feeling you were going to go with this. Jake Camarda. He's already supplanted himself as the starting punter. How many other rookies have done that? Have, have said, I'm the starter. Bam. So Jake Camarda absolutely is going to be a contributor to this Bucks team in 2022. I'm excited to see it. I think his ability to create these coffin punts and really pin teams back is going to, you're going to see that. Um, you're going to see that kind of move into all the other aspects of the game, right? So the defense is going to look that much better because instead of teams starting on the 20 because of a touchback, they're going to start on the eight. Now they got to go 92 yards. They don't have to go to 80 yards. Yeah. They got to go 92 yards. That's going to be a stop for the defense. Defense is going to look a lot better. They're going to give up less points. Um, and he's going to give the Bucks a lot more confidence in their defense. And I just think Camarda is going to be, again, an unheralded position. But at the end of the year, don't be surprised if I try and make the case for him being the impact addition to this offseason. No, I'm glad you brought him up because I I was going to mention him if um, if you didn't bring him up there. But, I mean, we talked about Shaq Mason being overlooked or under the radar and everything like that. Field position gets overlooked a lot, too. Like, how important it is if you just keep putting a team back up against the wall where, as you said, they have to drive, like, 90 yards down the field. Like, that that wears on you like it Mm -hmm. definitely does like oh man like (laughs) you know we gotta go another 90 yards and sure if your offense is good enough eventually you'll you'll be able to flip it but you know if you win the field position game that's sometimes that's half the battle right there so I think Kamarta seems like a confident guy overall I mean we haven't seen him too much but uh, I obviously the Bucks see something in him if they're going to uh, first of all take him in the fourth round uh, this was the draft of the punters and wide receivers. Um, and then to entrust them with no competition, like, okay, Jake, this is your job. Yep. And um, you know, it's, it's yours to lose. And that, that's really all there is to it. It's like Jake Kamar is the punter. That's it. Like you know, there's, there's nothing else you could say about it. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, it's easy to reflect upon a new addition based on, why that addition was was made right and bradley pinion he he was injured last year and i think a yep. lot of people maybe didn't realize that in season quite that it had as much of an impact on him in season as it did but the ultimate the results were a couple of really um untimely bad punts i think there was one in the, the rams playoff game that mm-hmm. comes to mind that really set the Rams offense up and, and ultimately contributed to the Bucks not being able to pull that game out. Um, and you assume, you know, with Camarda, if you get uh, average to above average punting throughout the entire season layered on top of what we saw in 2021, that's going to make a huge difference. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and I'm really excited to, to see him come in and, and hopefully prove that fourth round draft pick was a good one. So, last that's guy the one that I'm really excited about. about. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, it is exciting to see what he's going to do because he's literally going to be able to prove it. Uh, as we wrap up here, the last guy I just want to talk about 
briefly is Zion McCollum. Um, I don't really have expectations for him this year because, you know, he was a later round pick. Uh, he's one of those guys that played at a smaller school and is now trying to keep up uh, at the, the NFL level. But I really think we could see his impact in a year from now, next season, given the uncertainty of whether Sean Murphy Bunting will be back or Jamel Dean will be back. But I think there's a lot of things that can get you excited about Zion McCollum. The fact that he's very fast and we all love speed. Um, the fact that he can take the ball away. I'm not going to say that he has the best hands in the world, but you know, he, he's shown the, the capability of uh, being able to uh, take the ball away. Uh, of course, being from uh, the same area as Mike Evans, people really like that. The fact that he's smiling all the time, like everywhere, you know, that's, that's uh, something that I think most people will enjoy and kind of get that infectious, like good mood type of yep. uh, boost that yeah, everyone could need from time to time. So I think it's a fun developmental project with Zion McCollum. Not going to expect too much from him this year. But again, when you talk about the speed that he has, um, could end up being huge for the Bucs if they lose one of their corners next year. And then you put in Zion right then and there and, this is kind of a redshirt year for him, but I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing um, how he can contribute to this team and probably play uh, special teams a lot this year. And that was the one that I, I'm excited about for this year and, and where I hope that he stands out. And, and you look at, you know, when you build a roster the way the Bucks have for the last few years, and it's clearly one of the best teams in the NFL. There's no debate about that. They're a top echelon team you start looking at the fringes is where you can make incremental improvements. And one area where the Bucks have not been great over the last few years has been special teams. Now, I think they had a huge building block towards improving that area last year with uh, Grant Stewart, right? I mean, yep. there's conversations about him becoming one of the best special teamers in the entire NFL here in year two. And you layer on top of that somebody with Zion McCollum's athleticism, his speed, his size. You hope to be able to put him in a gunner position on, on punts and, and put him on um, kick coverage and him combined with Stewart. Now you've got two building blocks for hopefully what becomes a stellar unit. And that's where you can, you know, you've got a top three offense. There's not much further you can go. You know, you've got the Bucks defense can have a bounce back year this year, but they were still a pretty good unit last year. Um, as compared to the rest of the NFL, I know for Bucks fans, it was a little frustrating week to week seeing the opportunities on a play to play <laughs> basis. Um, but the special team unit has consistently underperformed um, a top tier unit. And so now McCollum, I, my hope is that this year you really see him show out in that area, along with Grant Stewart, someone like KJ Britt, who there's been talk about how much he'll play special teams this year as he's moving into the linebacker three role. Um, but I think you've got some guys there who can really help elevate that unit to where the offense and the defense have been and make this a complete team. Yeah, the return game and kick coverage is I definitely definitely a uh, spot where the, the, the Bucks could uh, improve on. And we'll see if they uh, they take those next steps uh, this season, especially when, yeah, they got someone like Stewart in the making that uh, seems like is going to be great. And we'll see what McCollum can do. Uh, special teams as well. I want to thank everyone in the chat, everyone that uh, participated in roll call today, had some very cool spots. I think we saw Hawaii in there and uh, Slovakia. So Nigeria. Shout out to yeah, Nigeria. So shout out to everyone that participated in that. want to say thank you to you, Josh, for joining the show today. You gave great analysis as always. You were awesome on the show today. Uh, just a 
quick scheduling update for everyone. We will not have a show tomorrow, have some scheduling conflicts there. So we will be back on Wednesday. Uh, So before the show ends, just want to tell everyone again, please like, subscribe, hit that like button, help us with our algorithm, push everything that Peter Report is doing, whether, uh, you know, it's our website, we got some videos up on our YouTube channel, Peter Report TV. Make sure you like and subscribe. Doesn't cost you anything. Just gives you an update of when uh, we have new videos out, just like this Peter Report podcast. So for Josh Capo, I'm Matt Materis saying we'll see you guys on Wednesday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. <laughs>